Our Bible reading this morning is taken from the book 1, and I'm reading from verse 1. Acts chapter 1, I'm reading from verse 1. In my former book, Philophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Did anybody uh, celebrate uh, Christmas? Anybody celebrate Christmas? Yeah, one or two people celebrate Christmas. Uh, what about Easter? Anybody celebrate Easter? Yeah, yeah. Anybody know what's special about next Sunday? Which Sunday? Pentecost. Uh, I'm sure we'll be celebrating that as well. But does anybody know of, uh, of something that happens between uh, Easter and Pentecost? Ascension. And does anybody know when Ascension Day is? Or was? Or will be? <laughs> last Thursday. was. Did anybody celebrate Ascension Day last Thursday? It's funny, isn't it? Uh, Ascension Day happens 40 days after Easter and therefore always falls on a Thursday. And uh, there's a sense in which we miss it, don't we? Because it falls on a Thursday and we're not gathered together. We gather together on Good Friday, don't we, as a special day and, and recognize that. But very often, uh, Ascension Day gets kind of lost in the middle of kind of in between Easter and, uh, and Pentecost. And uh, it may seem relatively insignificant to us. Um, Luke's the only person that actually uh, records the ascension of Jesus. He mentions it briefly uh, at the end of his gospel, and he begins Acts with this uh, event of ascension. And we might think it's only a small and <clears throat> a minor thing, 
Uh, but this morning I want to, to uh, tell you at least three good reasons uh, for remembering, for celebrating and for focusing uh, on ascension. Um, first of all, uh, I don't know whether you've, uh, whether you've noticed, but we do, um, we sing about it quite a lot. I'm going to give you uh, a little bit of a, a hymn test, if that's okay, if you're happy to, to play along. I'm going to give you um, a line and, and, and see whether or not you can complete it, okay? All hail the Lamb. Enthroned on high, yeah, okay, what about this one? Um, all heaven declares the glory of the risen Lord. Who can compare with the beauty of the Lord? Forever he will be. You know it, don't you? You, you know these very well. Uh, I believe you sang this one uh, last week. Uh, crown him with many crowns. A lamp upon the throne. Uh, what about this one? Um, Yeah, uh, he is exalted. The king is exalted on high. Um, and I'll give you a little insight into what we're going to be singing uh, at the end of the service. Uh, Christ triumphant, ever reigning. Yes, saviour. Master King, Lord of Heaven, our life sustaining. So uh, we actually sing quite a bit. And uh, if you look at the words of the songs that we sing and actually uh, think about them and, and take them in as, as well as sing them out. Uh, actually, the, the fact that Jesus uh, is uh, reigning on high, that he is uh, sat at the right hand of the Father, um, that he is in heaven, is, is something that we sing about uh, quite often. And so, uh, just just one example of, of why uh, the ascension is really important. And uh, the first thing I want to say is the ascension of Jesus um, proves that Jesus had completed his work on earth. The ascension of Jesus proves that Jesus had completed his work on earth. This is the final uh, resurrection appearance of Jesus. Uh, over the last few weeks between uh, Easter, we've been looking at some of the resurrection appearances of Jesus. And Jesus has been coming and going, and one moment he's there, and the next minute he's not there. And uh, it must have been a bit unnerving for the disciples. We read of him kind of disappearing before their eyes. Uh, you know, when he was sat at the table breaking bread with the two uh, disciples on the road to Emmaus, and they realized who he was, and he disappeared. Uh, very unsettling, isn't it? Never happened to me. I don't know whether it's happened to you. Uh, but that seems to be what happened. But this is the final uh, uh, appearance of, of Jesus, the final resurrection appearance, because his work on earth was completed. His work on earth was completed. He had finished what he had come to do very often, uh, Jesus speaks about his work. He says, my food, said Jesus in John 4, is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. Jesus spoke often about this work that he'd come to do. Again, in, in John, as long as it is day, I must do the work of him who had sent me. And do you remember when Jesus was on the cross 
he said quite a few things, but John records uh, him saying, it is finished. It is finished. And of course, what Jesus is talking about is the work that he had come to do. It was over. Jesus had come uh, to offer himself as a sacrifice so that you and I could be forgiven and that you and I could receive all the benefits. He had come to save us. Again, we sing about that a lot. This was Jesus' work that he had come to do and it was finished. And as a, as a symbol and as a sign of Jesus having completed his work, uh, he had now finished his time on earth. You know, some people say, wouldn't it have been better if Jesus had hung around and, and showed himself to uh, to those that didn't believe, to the authorities that had nailed him to a cross? Wouldn't it have been better? But Jesus had completed his work, and uh, in this uh, experience that the disciples had of Jesus actually speaking to them and then ascending into heaven, Jesus actually disappears before their eyes, but in, in a way that there is a kind of finality about it. Before he just kind of disappeared and appeared, but this time he actually was lifted up into heaven. Now for us, uh, in our modern scientific age, we might say, well, hang on a sec, we know that heaven isn't up there, uh, just as, as hell isn't down there. We, don't, we, we live in a more uh, sophisticated age, and we know that heaven is outside, outside of our time uh, and, and, and out of our space. Uh, but to the disciples and to the people living at Jesus' time, they would have had the mindset, you know, that heaven was up there. And there's a sense, I guess, in which we probably still think of heaven as being up there, don't we? If I said, look to the heavens, where would you all look? You'd probably all look upwards, don't you? Um, we, when, when, when we pray to God, we still think of God as being up there somewhere, don't we, uh, in our mindset. So actually our mindsets aren't that different than the people of Jesus' time. But Jesus ascended. It was his final uh, resurrection appearance, unless you want to be picky and, and say, well, he appeared to the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. And yeah, okay. But this was his final kind of resurrection appearance where they saw him, if you like, in the flesh. Because his work was finished. He had come and done what he needed to do. He'd completed that work. The work that he needed to do for our salvation so that we could enter into a relationship with God had been completed through the cross and through the death and through the resurrection and through the ascension. We don't say the Apostles' Creed uh, very often in this church, but in other churches they probably uh, cite it quite regularly. And of course it's there in the Apostles' Creed. It talks about uh, the life, the death, the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ. Ascended. So that's the first thing. It proves that Jesus had completed his work on earth. Uh, secondly, the ascension of Jesus paves the way for the Holy Spirit to come. The ascension of Jesus paves the way for the Holy Spirit to come. Jesus, again, speaking to the disciples in, in, uh, in John's Gospel, says, but I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counsellor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus was saying to already, had already forewarned the disciples uh, that he was going to go away, and he had to go away, and the Holy Spirit couldn't come until he had gone. 
And so the Holy Spirit paves the way for the Holy Spirit to come. And of course, we read in, in Acts uh, 1, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So, whilst Jesus' work was completed, he had finished and and done what he needed to do, do. The ascension, if you like, marks that turning point in the mission of Christ, where his work was completed, but the disciples' work was only just beginning. The disciples' work was only just beginning. The ascension paves the way for the Holy Spirit. Um, have you noticed that um, that Luke uh, has a thing about angels? Have you noticed that? Um, they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. I don't know if you noticed, but in Luke's uh, gospel and also in Acts, Luke's got this thing about angels appearing at significant times in Jesus' life. Let's have a little bit of a, an angel quiz. Who can tell me uh, times when angels appear? There's some very obvious ones. Anybody? To the shepherds in the Christmas story, of course, announcing Jesus' birth, Luke has angels appearing announcing the birth. Any, any other occasion when angels appear? At the tomb, that's right, Jesus' resurrection. Who is it that announces the resurrection to Mary? Angels appear. Yeah. Significant events in Jesus' life, uh, Luke has angels appearing. At the ascension, two men dressed in white. We presume they are angels. They're not two men just who just happen to be wearing white. This is uh, Luke's code for these are angels. Significant events, and he has the angels saying to them... Um, Why do you stand there looking into the sky? Angels sometimes ask stupid questions. Duh, because Jesus is just ascending into heaven and we've never seen anything like this before in our lives. It isn't the sort of things that normally happen. Human beings normally stay firmly rooted to the ground. And this Jesus has done some pretty amazing things, but now he seems to be able to fly. And he's flying off and we can see him going up into the heavens. I think it's pretty obvious why they were looking up into the sky. But the angels, um, they weren't having a go at the disciples. What they were saying is, you've got a job to do on the earth. Uh, Don't be focused on the sky. Because Jesus had already said to the disciples, and you will be my witnesses. This is when the Holy Spirit comes. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When the Holy Spirit came, it was going to empower the disciples to continue Jesus' mission. Jesus had completed his work, he'd done his part, he died on the cross so that we can enter into a relationship with God. But now the disciples were being given their mission, which was to go and to be witnesses through and with the power of the Holy Spirit that could only come once Jesus had left them. Friends, you and I are in that same situation. Jesus is not here. He's left us. We haven't seen him uh, elevated, exalted, rising into the sky, but we know where he is in heaven. And our job and our task and our goal and our mission is exactly the same as those first disciples. It is to be witnesses. 
It is to be telling people the good news about Jesus Christ. One of the things that very often happens in any church life, and certainly uh, in difficult times or, or when, when, when there's financial burdens on a church, very often what happens is there's a temptation to look in on ourselves. It happens in any organization that the focus pretends to be in here on the people that are here and what's happening in, in here. It seems very obvious to me that when we look to the Gospels that the commission that Jesus gives to the disciples, when the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to be witnesses, not just here, because here was Jerusalem, you start here, but then you move out to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Our role in the mission of Christ is to tell other people about Jesus. Some people say to me, I'm not really very evangelistic. I'm not very good at witnessing. Um, Hey, join the club. None of us are very good at it. But that's what each one of us is called to do. It isn't that some people, some people have a wonderful gift for evangelism. And that's great. But each and every one of us, that is our task. That is our mission to tell other people. And I was thinking as I was preparing it, can you be a Christian and not tell other people about Jesus? I'm not sure that you can. It seems to me that the whole makeup of of wanting to follow Jesus is doing what Jesus commanded us to do. It's not just about, about trying to live a good life and be good people. It's about reaching out with the good news about Jesus. And where is our Jerusalem? Well, our Jerusalem is here and in the village and neighborhood around us. That's where we start. And then we spread out to to Whitewell Bottom and uh, to Waterfoot and to Rottenstall and to Bacup. And this is what Jesus was talking about, the ends of the earth. Bacup. (laughs) Some of you have been there. You know, this is what, this is the gospel. And whenever I read this passage, I can't help thinking that, that yes, this is us that Jesus was talking about. We are, as far as the disciples are concerned, the ends of the earth and the gospel has reached us, but it doesn't stop here. We're to tell other people, we're to spread the good news. And it's a challenge because it's very easy to do church and to forget this. We can do church, can't we? We're quite good at doing church. We can sing songs. We can put on a, you know, a, a decent show. Weren't the fan, kids were fantastic this morning. We can do church. We can do lots of things. And we can so easily miss out the mission, the focus, the purpose, the point that Jesus died and rose again and was ascended for so the Holy Spirit could come and empower the disciples to do what? Not to look up into the sky. You know, sometimes... You meet Christians who spend a lot of time gazing into the heavens. We call it worship, don't we? And don't get me wrong, worshipping God is the first purpose. That's what we were made for, to worship God. But again, some Christians will be quite happy just worshipping God. Having a good time. Forgetting that the angels said to the disciples, don't stand there focusing upon heaven. There's a job to be done here on earth. You and I are part of the mission of God. He has entrusted us with the good news. We've received the good news. Let's not keep it to ourselves. Let's tell other people. Let's share. Let's go to the ends of the earth to tell people about Jesus. So, the um, 
The ascension of Jesus paves the way for the Holy Spirit to come. More about the Holy Spirit next week as we, as we celebrate Pentecost. But the Holy Spirit, recognise this, the reason for the Holy Spirit coming was so that the disciples would be empowered to witness. The reason for the Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost was so that the disciples could be empowered to witness, to carry on the mission of Jesus. That was why the Holy Spirit was given. The ascension of Jesus, it, it proves that, uh, that Jesus' work on earth was done. It paves the way uh, for the Holy Spirit to come and it provides us with access into the Father's presence. It provides us with access into the Father's presence. Uh, we know where Jesus is, don't we? He's in heaven. And whilst Luke is the only person to write about, I said Luke's the only person to write about the ascension, he's the only person to write about the actual event that takes place where Jesus ascended, but the New Testament is full of references to the fact that Jesus is ascended. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit, Paul writes in Ephesians, through him, Jesus, we have access to the Father. Because Jesus is sat at the right hand of God, we now have direct access to the Father. Do you remember uh, the Jews in the Old Testament? If they wanted to come to God, they had to come and see the priest. They had to offer sacrifices. And the priest went into the most holies of holies. He did the business with God. And then he came back out and he said, yeah, you can, you can go now. You've been forgiven because I've done the business. Well, that system, Jesus completed that system of sacrificial priestly office by his work on the cross. We now have direct access to the Father. You and I have direct access to God because of what Jesus has done on the cross, in his death, in his resurrection, and through the ascension. He provides us with access into the Father's presence. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. We have somebody in heaven who's on our side. Talk about having friends in high places. You know, a term that people sometimes use. We've got a friend in the highest place in heaven interceding for us. Somebody who is on our side. It's in that great passage in Romans 8 when, when Paul is talking about, you know, if God is for us, who can be against us? God is for us. Jesus is interceding for us. He's on our side. We need to know that, that God is for us, that he's on our side, that we have a friend in Jesus. And we need to tell the world because the world out there, the, the picture and the view that they've got of God is not that he's their friend. They think he's there waiting for them to trip up so that he can get them. I wonder where they've got that idea from and that message from. I wonder whether they got it from a visit to church. Jesus is interceding. And again, we could go all around the New Testament and find uh, reference after reference to the fact that Jesus is at the right hand of God. Hebrews uh, chapter 10 and, uh, and verse 12. But when this priest had offered... 
for all time, one sacrifices for sin, he sat down at the, can you finish? The right hand of God. Sat down at the right hand of God. What about uh, Peter? Of course, he preaches about it in the day of Pentecost. But in his in his in his in his letter, uh, one Peter three uh, verses twenty two, he talks about uh, being saved by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand. And I've got a whole load more references because there is just so more references. Go home and, uh, you know, Google or look up in a concordance the right hand of God. And you'll just find reference after reference after reference to the fact that Jesus is at the right hand of God. He's there because of his death, resurrection and ascension. And that's good news because it provides us with access to the Father's presence. Now, some of you this week... Uh, you can't have got away, even if you, even if you've no interest in football, you can't have not noticed that a certain manager of a certain football club announced his uh, resignation and it was headline news. It was the number one news item. Uh, But does anybody know where he's going? He's not going anywhere. Actually, the phrase that they use is, he's going upstairs. Don't they? He's going to be a director or whatever. He's hanging around. He's going to be upstairs. But he's not going to be there. And there's a sense in in which, you know, when the new guy comes along, David Moyes, um, he will still have access to the wisdom and the knowledge of the person who was bringing all that success. And in a... In a, in, a, in a strange and similar way, the fact that Jesus is sat at the right hand of God, I'm not in any way suggesting, please don't hear me wrong, I'm not any, in any way suggesting that Alex Ferguson has, has anything to do with, with God or, or anything like that. But what I'm saying is, the fact that he's still around means that the new manager can go along to him and receive the benefit and wisdom, just as in the same way that we, through Jesus Christ, have access to the Father. And so the ascension of Jesus, I hope if nothing else, you get the fact that it's an important doctrine in the life of the church. That this is an important event because it tells us that Jesus has finished his work. That he he was successful in his mission. It didn't look like it when he was hanging on the cross, but that was success. Jesus was successful. He came and did what he had to do. The fact that he ascended into heaven meant that the Holy Spirit could come and empower the disciples to be his hands and feet in the world. And the fact that Jesus is ascended means that we have direct access. You and I can speak to the Father through Jesus Christ. We can go straight to God. You don't have to come to me and say, Richard, can you uh, talk to God for me? I can do that, but you can also do it for yourselves because Jesus has opened the gateway. Jesus has opened the door that you and I can walk through. So that's what we're talking about when we're talking about the ascension of Jesus. It's good news. And our job is to tell that good news. Let's